anyways, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we, we reiterated our vision. We talked about where we set out in the, the beginning of 2020. We kind of joked that everybody said, you know, 2020 vision, we're all going to see clearly, and we're going we're gonna to accomplish some things this year. And then, and then 2020 went like this. And everybody, you know, got flipped upside down, and it was like, uh, uh, okay, we'll stay at home for a while, I guess. And, and that's kind of what it was. Uh, but, but a couple of weeks ago, we determined, we took some time to determine, yes, what we set out to do in 2020 was the correct vision. It was the right direction to set out. And, and just because the world turned upside down and sideways and everything else, and now it's on fire, apparently, doesn't change what we set out to do. And so we're going to talk about that just a little bit more tonight. And, and honestly, uh, in the coming weeks, um, I've had the privilege um, for the past four weeks to go down to Columbus. We've got some opportunities that look like they're just beginning down there to start a church in Columbus. Um, it's all very, very, very brand new and, and very little is known at this point. Uh, but the last four weeks, Brett Bartlett, who's a pastor friend of ours from Wildwood, it's up near or in Michigan, just across the border near Toledo. Uh, he's a, church, a pastor at a church up there. He has brought basically a training for an approach to evangelism and organization and accountability and all of those things. And it's just, it's, it's really cool the way they've got it laid out. It's, it's evangelism. We know what that is. We know what sharing the gospel is. We understand the gospel. We know that it is the power of God unto salvation. We understand all of those things, but his approach includes a calendar organization. It includes accountability. It includes, you know, time to specifically pray for one another and your opportunities and follow up. And, and it's just really challenging, and I think it's exactly what we need. And so the next however many weeks, we're going to be talking about those things and how we can incorporate that here in the well and, and here at First Baptist and how we can actually legitimately fulfill the Great Commission ourselves. Right? We talk about it. We know we're supposed to. But sometimes it's just not all that practical. You know, I can scream and yell about it <laughs> or preach or whatever about it, and you can go home convicted and still not know what to do next. So what we're going to do in the well is, is we're going to do it, and we're going to do it together. And so it's going to be, it'll take some weeks to kind of unpack and unfold and figure out how it's going to fit together for us. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to look to do that. We're going to seek the Lord and, and see how he would uh, work that out. Um, I do want to give you kind of a peek behind the curtain as to how I came to the, you know, the vision of where we're going to go this year being, well, where we said we were going to go last year. You know, I was, every year and anything that I've ever been a part of, I, I've always liked to start the new year with a new vision, with, you know, a, a fresh outlook, a restart, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, coming into 2020, I just kept feeling like, I couldn't put my finger on what God wanted us to do, where God wanted us to go. And, and so, you know, it kind of sounds and kind of felt like a cop-out, like, well, you know, we'll just, we'll just restate 2019's vision and we'll do that again. Because, you know, it was good. It was, it was what we we're supposed to do, right? And, and so it, it was really weird for me because every year I've, I've, I've known, like, the Lord wants us in the well to go through these things, through these steps. This is where we are this is who we are. This is where we're at in our walk with the Lord. And so the next steps will be these. And I wasn't getting that from the Lord this past you know, winter. And so I was, I was just begging, like, Lord, what, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? What opportunities do you have for us? What do you want us to study? 
And man, it, it's, it was just kind of continually just silence. It's not like I wasn't walking with the Lord, wasn't hearing from the Lord day, after, you know, day by day in my, my devotion time. It was just I wasn't sure what to do in here. And so <clears throat> I was getting closer. It, time was getting closer to the New Year's. We always start off with a New Year's vision, and you guys are probably expecting a New Year's vision. And I was like, I don't really know what to talk about. You know, like, Lord, some, something, anything would be great, you know, before I get up front of everybody. And, and it, was, it, it was the only thing that I just kept getting was a feeling that things need to be different. I was like, okay, okay, Lord. Like, what? What does that mean? What do you mean different? What, what, what needs to change? Who needs to change? The process? The time frame? Do we move to another night? I, I, don't, even, I don't know what you mean, Lord. And we're not moving to another night that I know of. But I, I was trying to just be open to whatever God was going to show me. Like, like just 2020 is upside down, Lord. Turn us upside down so that, so that we can know what we need to do. Restart us if, if we have to. Whatever. I had no clue what 2020 was going to bring. But I just kept feeling like 2020 was going to be different in here. Well, obviously everything's different, but I felt like the Lord was going to ask us to do something different with this ministry. And so I was like, okay, well, I, I don't know what that means. So the, the time to give that vision was approaching. I had nothing specific. In years past, I was, I was always ready. I knew where we were heading. And this time was, was just strange. So since I hadn't received anything specific, I did the only thing that I know to do in a situation like this. And this will help you, I think. I, I promised the Lord something. And, and I, I hope this is okay, because in my promise to him, I included you guys. You know, I, I didn't just say I will, I said we will. So I included you in my promise. But I promised the Lord that we as a ministry, would be like Abraham, <clears throat> Abram, excuse me, Abram in Genesis 12. So go ahead and turn to Genesis 12, because I don't think it's, it's going to be on the screen. If you know your Bible, Genesis, obviously first book, chapter 12, we'll read the first four verses, and I'll get a drink of water, because my voice just freaked out there a second ago. Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4, this, this is what I, I promised the Lord. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, I will bless thee, I will make a great name, make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abram, this is, this is the promise, Abram departed. God didn't tell him where to go. He told him to go. He didn't say, go this far, turn right, hang a left, go another so many miles. He just said, go. And so my promise to the Lord is, Lord, we know we're supposed to go, right? We started this year off by saying, we're going to go by going, or we're going to go by sending. We're going to be involved in, in missions. Whatever the Lord shows us, whoever's doing something, for the Lord, getting the gospel out, we want to be a part of it. And so that's what I said. I was like, okay, Lord, we're going to start taking steps of obedience. That's what last week was. I think last week was a blast. I'm really proud of you guys. You really stepped up. 
did an awesome job of serving Ignite. I thought it was, it was a lot of fun. So it was just an opportunity that came up that I was like, you know what? This came up, so we're going to say yes. We're, we're going to go, we're going to take one step when the Lord shows us there's one step to take. And so that's what I was basically saying to the Lord. So if you're ever confused, I don't know what to do next, Lord. Look for one step and, and make a deal with the Lord. I'll take that step. If you show me the step, I'll take the step. And so that's what we're going to do. And so what, what I said was you've shown us that, that we need to be on the move, but we're not sure where we're going. So we're going to trust that if you show us a step, we'll, we'll take the step. And when you tell us to stop, we'll stop. And when you tell us to turn, we'll turn. That's how Abram got to the promised land. He just started moving, right? Uh, the, the saying about a, a boat, how do, you, how do you turn a boat? It's got to be moving forward if you're going to turn that thing. You, you have to move forward if you're going to turn. And, and we need to be moving where the Lord's moving and turning when he says to turn. And so Psalm 119, 105, it's not on your sheet either, but it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It doesn't promise, God's word doesn't promise that we will know the entire road. He says, I will light your feet. He's going to keep us from stumbling. He's going to give us enough to know where that next step is. Not beyond that, there's all kinds of questions. It may be really dark beyond that step. But I know that, that the Lord's told me to take that step. And so I'm going to take it in faith. And so that's, that's where <laughs> this year's vision came from. I just wanted to share that because I don't want you guys you know, thinking that it's just really easy. Everything just comes together. They got this, this thing all mapped out. I might be on a good week, a, a whole week ahead of you guys sometimes. You know? There's, there's your fearless, fearless leader. Maybe it's clueless leader. You, you start introducing me as clueless leader. That'll be all right. No, but, but I'm, I'm depending on the Lord to show us where he wants us to go. And sometimes I don't know the answer, but I, I do believe he's going to give it to us. And, and I do believe that over these past four weeks, he has, he has given me the answer for, for what's next. And so we're going to work through 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 9 through 15 tonight, if you want to turn your Bibles there. 2 Peter 3. Uh, the verses from here on out should be on the screen as well. If you want to follow on there, that's fine. But we'll read verses 9 through 15. We're really going to focus, we don't have time to get into the details of every little thing here, but we're really going to focus on verse 9, verse 14, and verse 15. But we'll read through the whole uh, section there to get to verse 15. This, this should be very familiar territory for us. We, we use these verses for cross-reference all the time. So let's read together. 2 Peter chapter 3, we'll start in verse 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, or toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation 
and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of, the, the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Let's go ahead and pray before we get into the study sheet. Lord, thank you so much uh, for the incredible truth that you've been hitting me with. I, I fear that I, I can't or won't do it justice, uh, the things that you're doing in my heart. And uh, I, just, I just pray that, that you would supernaturally, you would use your spirit and your word to, to work in all of our hearts tonight so that we can all promise the same thing so that we can keep our promise, so that we can live up to what you've called us to, and that when you return, we won't be ashamed. We'll be excited. Lord, I love you. I, I love your word. I love that you've promised to guide us, and at the last hour, you give instruction. Sometimes you give instruction way ahead of time and we know more than enough of what to do and, and sometimes we have to just wait and be patient. And, and I thank you for your guidance. So uh, I just pray that you teach us tonight in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so the, the message tonight is just keeping, keeping my promise. So again, that includes all of you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to set out to keep my promise and and at the end, I'll ask if you'll join me, but I think you guys know me well enough that, and I, I say this all the time, can you pray before God speaks and promise that you'll do what he says? Have you ever prayed that and said, Lord, whatever it is you show me next, I'm going to do it. That's a scary prayer, isn't it? Because he might actually show me something that I don't want to give up, or I don't want to go to. What, what if? What if he answers? That's a scary prayer. But, what if he answers? The God of the universe heard your prayer and answered. Don't you want to be where he wants you to be? So let's get into this, and, and first thing that we see is that the Lord has made a promise. The Lord's promise. If you're a Bible student, you know that there's an important difference between promise and promises. We won't get into the details of it, but in Galatians chapter 3, there's, there's a lot of confusion that happens with promises and promise. When you talk about promises, it's usually connected to the nation of Israel, because they were given multiple promises. We were given this promise, that letter A, Christ is going to return. And, and within that, we'll see letter B, and that has to do with salvation, but we'll get there in a minute. Letter A, Christ has promised to return. So how, how do we know that that's what this promise is? Well, at the beginning of this chapter, in, in verses 3 and 4 of Second Peter, chapter 3, it says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, doubters, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? 
So that's, that's how we know what he's talking about. The promise is that he's going to come back. Christ has promised that. Right? Hebrews 10, 36 and 37 says, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Right? The, the scoffers are saying he's, he's just, he's still not here. You said he was coming, and he's not here. And they said he was coming, and, and he never came. Where's the promise? Well, he hasn't returned, but, but he's going to. He's not going to wait forever. John 14, 2 and 3, it says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. That's a great promise as well, right? If it was something else, I would have told you what it was. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, and where I am, there ye may be also. So I would have told you, but I didn't. I told you that I was coming back. I'm going to go prepare a place, and I'm going to come back and get you and take you to that place. It's going to happen. On your sheet, I, I have a, a little note. It says, God's promise is connected to our promise. God's promise is connected to our promise because his promised return is for those who belong to him. Those who are saved, those, those who have new life in Christ Jesus. That, that's our promise, and, and we'll see how that, that works out. But before we do that, Deuteronomy 23, 21 says, When thou shalt vow a vow, or make a promise unto the Lord thy God, thou shalt not slack to pay it. For the Lord thy God will surely require it of thee, and it would be sin in thee. So if you make a promise to the Lord, you better keep it. What promise did we make? We made more than a promise, right? We, we made an exchange that, that comes with a promise. Romans 10, 9 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has, hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So you didn't confess with your mouth your friend Jesus. You didn't Confess your genie in the bottle, Jesus, the wish granter. You didn't confess baby Jesus or Jesus on the cross. It's, it's the Lord Jesus. And that means something. That means that you've promised your life in exchange for his. I, I laid mine down and said... My, my sinful waste of a life is heading me straight for hell. I need rescued. And he said, I'll, I'll trade you. I'll go to the cross for you and give you my perfect life. Absolutely. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, Ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, he's not slack concerning his promise. He's just not finished yet. And if he would have already fulfilled his promise, how many of us would have missed out on it? See, salvation is the second part of the promise. Letter B, Christ has promised to save. If you look in verse 15, it says the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. 
And we'll get to that in, in just a few minutes. 1 Peter 1.10 says, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. It says that the prophecy came, in, in 2 Peter 1.21 says the prophecy came as men were moved by the Holy Ghost. So who was speaking? Who was making the promises? God was making the promises that those prophets were looking into. They knew that there was this promise that, that God was going to dispense salvation through grace. They just didn't understand how. And they were looking for it, and they were waiting for it. It's been promised of old. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. The promised salvation is through one name. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The one name is the Lord. And in John 14.6, the Lord himself told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He is, he has three names. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And all three of those names have incredible impact and meaning. He's not just Jesus, your friend, who wants you to have a great life, and so you're all about walking with him. No, he's the Lord, Jesus Christ. Christ, the Messiah, the promised king. And he rules. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's only one name that, that we have to go to and through for salvation, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's promised it, but we have to go through him, through him to get it. We have to turn our life, our worthless life over for his perfect life. We mentioned this already, but, but he promised first. So what are we supposed to do in response to him? And that's, that's point two, is our responses to his promise. If we jump down in, to verse 14 of that same passage in 2 Peter 3, it says, wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, what are the things we're looking for? We're looking for him to return. Right? We're looking for him to come back. He promised he was going to come back. It says, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Again, we're not going to be able to get into all of the details. We'll, we'll, we'll dig into some of these things more in the coming weeks, but but I've got a question on your sheet. It says, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace. So the question is, how will he find me? And that doesn't mean like, you know, this is a cosmic game of hide and seek or something weird like that. How will he find me? Will I be under the sofa? You know, it's nothing, it's not, you know, it's nothing ridiculous like that. How will he find you? What are you going to be doing when he shows up? That's what he's asking. That, that's what he's saying. He says, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace. 
You don't want to be, man, I'm, I'm telling Jeff uses this example of, you know, the, the teenager who's been left home alone for the first time, but here's your responsibilities while mom and dad are away. And, you know, they come back and I haven't done my responsibility. This, is, this has happened so many times in my life when I was a kid. Mom gives us the list. Here, get this done, sweep the floor, make sure your room's cleaned, blah, blah, blah. She walks out the door, turn on the Nintendo, booyah, see you, Mom, we're out. You know, and then we hear the car door close and we're like, oh, we're dead. We didn't do anything. And there's macaroni all over the place. And what, like, like, not only did we not do it, we made it worse. We're dead. But, but that feeling magnified. The Creator's showing up, and He gave us a responsibility. And not only did we not do it, we made a mess of everything. Because we decided we wanted to walk in our own sin instead of walking in obedience. It's not just that we didn't obey. We deliberately, selfishly disobeyed. We went our own way. We did our own thing. We didn't care. All I wanted was salvation. But you made a promise. You made an exchange. His life for yours. He bought you with the price of His perfect blood. And we flippantly go through life not worried about what He asked of us. It says, be diligent. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, you're supposed to be watching for his return, not because you're afraid you'll get caught, because you can't wait for him to return. Be diligent that you may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. I mean, how great would that feeling be? To not be caught in the act of disobedience, but to be without spot. No blame from God and Him saying, Good job. That's, that's exactly what I asked you to do. Man, as a, as a parent, when we don't have to force our kids to obey, there are times when you don't have to force them and they go the extra mile. Because they love you? Man, what a good feeling that is. And, and I would like to think that they enjoy it just as much because they want to please their father and their mother. So how will he find me? Romans 13, 11, Knowing the time that, it, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. It's time to wake up, y'all. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. 2 Timothy 4, 5, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, to do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Jeff shared this verse, I think it was on Sunday, and it has been ringing in my ears and in my heart ever since. Make full proof of thy ministry. What do you have to prove to the Lord? You, you know what I have to prove? I, I have to prove that and we've talked about this, I have to prove to him that he didn't waste his grace on my life. 
that he put it in the right place, and it's going to keep going to others. I have to prove that, that he should give me open doors because I'm going to open my mouth. I have to prove that I'm going to obey the opportunities he gives me because I want more opportunities to put his name out there. I'm tired of sitting around and doing nothing. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-20 tells us what our ministry is. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. He has brought us into a reconciled relationship. We are at peace right now. That doesn't mean he will find you in peace when he returns. You'll have salvation. If you're in Christ, you're, you're saved. It's sealed. You have the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't mean your actions are going to be okay with God the rest of your life. You still have to walk with him. All these things of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We're, we're reconciled. We're at peace with God. So be reconciled. Walk that way. Live that way. Colossians 1, 20 uh, through 22 says, Having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if he is your Lord, he has washed you clean. Why would you step back into the mess on purpose? The, the sin that, that had you bound beforehand. We've been reconciled, and we ought to be giving everything in our diligence so that we can be the word of reconciliation for others. He says, be diligent. That means hard, intentional work. Do the work. And the second thing, in, and we see this in verse 15, and it's be accountable. Be diligent and be accountable. And we talked all about accountability in February. And, you know, it's great to have an accountability partner, unless you're not accountable. If, it, if you're not able to, to get an account from somebody else, they're not accountable. Right? If you can't take account of the things you promised to check on each other, if you're not honest. He says in verse 15, And account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. And, and Paul wrote all about salvation to every church. So how do we take account of the long-suffering of the Lord being salvation? What does that mean? 
The long-suffering of the Lord is only salvation. Get this in your notes. It's only salvation if you and I speak up. You understand that? The long-suffering of the Lord means He's still waiting for us. He's still waiting for others to get saved. And nobody's going to get saved if we don't say something. So the long-suffering of the Lord is only salvation if we speak up. Otherwise, He's wasting His time. We're wasting His time. The long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. Romans 10, 13-17 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? Well, that's a good question. And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? How is anybody going to understand salvation if no one's told them about it? How are they going to understand what it is if we don't open our mouth? How shall... Where did I leave off here? And how shall they believe in him and who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. And, and he goes on in verse 17 and says, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The, the book has already been written. God's not audibly speaking the word of God at this moment. Right? He may be audibly speaking in heaven, but none of us are hearing those things. We have a completed canon of scripture. We have the word of God. It doesn't just speak. I, I've got an app. It's a British dude. He speaks the word of God. <laughs> I could just walk around and, and play the feel the Lord on the Lord's day, you know. A little sleep, a little slumber. It doesn't work that way, right? I can just walk around with my phone app and people are just getting saved left and right. Fantastic. That's my lazy way out, right? It doesn't work. We have to speak the word of God. We have to explain what it means. We have to set the captives free. And the only way they're going to be set free is by understanding what Jesus Christ did for them. You have to put the details together for them. If the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, it's because we've opened our mouths and communicated it to the lost. Galatians 5.16, this other aspect of accountability, we talked about this a lot in February. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Man, we, we talked a lot about this because what we do, we, we, we sin, and we don't want to sin. But we do it again, and we don't want to do it again. And so then we finally have had enough, and we say, hey, man, will you hold me accountable to, to not do those things? And, and I'd be happy to hold you accountable to, to not do things, but I'd rather hold you accountable to do the things the Lord said to do so that we're not expending all of our energy not sinning. Boy, this Christian life's a doozy, man. <laughs> I didn't sin today, but I, I think I need a nap. I'm exhausted. Right? You're just going to completely wear yourself out trying not to sin. Why don't we just get together and hold each other accountable to do the things we're supposed to do? And you won't have the time and you won't have the energy or the desire, by the way, to do all those things you're trying not to do the rest of the time. 
You want held accountable? I will hold you accountable to walk in the Spirit the best that I can. Unless you're not willing. But I want to walk in the Spirit. So if you're not willing, I'll find somebody else that wants to help me. Because it's just not worth fighting that the entire time. It's no wonder people get burned out by the Christian life. You know, you go to church and they just tell me all the things I'm not supposed to do. Well, of course you're not supposed to do those things. Quit focusing on those things. Don't think about purple elephants. Ready, go. Don't sin. Ready, go. It's the same ridiculous notion. Let's do the things we're supposed to do and leave that other stuff to fall to the wayside. Let's spend our efforts holding each other accountable where it matters. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know what a great feeling is? A great feeling is pillowing your head at night and not thinking about all the things you screwed up today. Not having a guilty conscience. Not feeling like, Lord, you know, when I was a kid, it was now I lay me down to sleep, I pray to the Lord my soul to keep, you know, if I die before I wake, blah, 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 blah. Forgive me, because if I die in my sleep, it was was really bad doctrine, by the way. There was no, you know, eternal security in that prayer. But it was like, if I sin in my sleep, if I sin before going to bed, you know, what's going to happen? Just constantly, always and forever, oh, Lord, please forgive me, I know. Yes, forgive me, I am sinful. I mess up, but it's great to know I don't always mess up because I can strive to walk with the Lord. And I could go to bed exhausted knowing that, and we we did it today. I did the best that I could, and and the Lord gave me opportunities, and I opened my mouth, and that person heard the, the gospel, and he gets credit. I I can rest easy on that and get up with energy the next day to do it again. How many, how many of you want to get up the next day when it's just a continual cycle of sin? How, how many of you want to start the next day? No way. You start out defeated. But he says here, there's no condemnation. What a great day to not feel condemnation. There's no condemnation to those who walk in the, in the Spirit. I've got a couple of, of verses here to end with, and we'll, we'll finish up and we'll hang out. And there's, there's volleyball on this side, there's gaga ball on this side, and ping pong in the middle, whatever. But we'll, we'll hang out, we'll do one more worship song, and then we'll hang out. Acts 11.23, we, we went through this last year sometime. It says, who, when he came, this was Barnabas, and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart, they would cleave unto the Lord. See, the Christian life is not about trying not to do all the bad things. Christian life is about cleaving to the Lord who died for you, who loves you, who wants a daily relationship with you. He He wants us to pray because when you pray and spend time with Him, you actually understand Him more. He wants you to obey because in obedience there's blessings. 
Not because he doesn't want to punish you. He wants to bless us. With purpose of heart, cleave to the Lord. And then 1 Corinthians 15, 10, another verse we've seen a lot. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I want us to get this part. But I labored more abundantly. That's diligence. That's purpose. I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So I personally am I'm committed to restructure whatever we need to restructure so that we can cleave to the Lord. So that when he shows us an opportunity, we can say, yes, Lord, we'll do that. I'm committed to, to do whatever we need to do so that we can be accountable to the ministry of reconciliation. I want to be held accountable for that. Because when I'm held accountable, I'm more likely to do it. I want to be accountable for walking in obedience. I'm committed to restructure anything to make full proof of our ministry. To labor abundantly. So that when the Lord returns, he finds this group of believers at peace. And I, I want desperately for you guys to have that as much as I want it for myself. Without spot and blameless. We're going to look at some other passages that, that definitely correlate with, with all of these thoughts in the coming weeks. But before that, before we get to those things, I, I just want you to know that I'm willing, I am willing out loud before you and the Lord to adjust my plans to ensure that we keep my promise. So that we can be involved in his plan of reconciliation. So I have one question, and, and then I'll pray, and then the worship team can come up. And, and the question is just, are, are you ready to let the Lord adjust your plans with me? Because I guarantee you, if we take this step, he'll show us the next one. And if we beg him for souls, he's going to give them to us. And if we start opening our mouths, he's going to give us more opportunities. But I don't know what to say. I don't, know, I don't know what to say. Share your testimony. How did he save you? What was your life like without him? What is it like now? Are you perfect? No. He is. Are you willing to let him adjust your plans so that we can reach souls? That's what 2020 is going to be, if you'll join me. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word and for the worship team and just everything that we can be a part of tonight. I know that went longer than I was hoping, but I, Lord, I just pray that you would get our hearts. The fact of the matter is, if you return and don't find us in peace, it means we've failed. We've failed you. And if we've failed you, I've failed this room. 
Lord, I want you to be pleased with my effort and my sacrifice and everything, and I, I don't feel like I'm jumping through hoops. I'm so grateful that you've been honest with me. And we're begging for souls, Lord. We're begging for opportunities to share what you've given us with others. Would you make the well a place of refreshment for others because the gospel is here? Because we're living it. We're dying to ourselves. We're dying to our plans. We're letting you adjust whatever you want to adjust so that we can be where you want us to be, saying the things you want us to say. And you'll get all credit. Lord, we love you so much. I pray that the song is, is pleasing to your ears.